0: Hey, this is Man Made Mead. Quick thing about this video, this is a podcast I did with Steve from Canadian Sasquatch, and I normally put all of my podcasts on the Man Made Mead Extras channel. So if you want to see them um, regularly, go subscribe to that. I'm exclusively putting this one onto this channel, and I hope you will go join me over on the Man Made Mead Extras channel. So, hope I hope you enjoy the podcast, and thanks for watching. Yeah, this is episode sixteen of, of um What's New With Mead is what I call it. So okay. it's where I just talk about mead making a lot of the time. It's uh what's happening in my own brew world, but mm-hmm. also um just talking about mead making in general. So I'm I'm here with Steve um from Canadian Sasquatch, who um he is another YouTube mead maker. And I know that you haven't been as active recently, but um at one point right. you were you're posting at least once a week, right?
1: Yeah, there was a little bit there I was trying to do once a week, maybe twice a week, depending on what was going on. Uh, kind of around the same time I was trying to uh, advertise my book that I just written. Yeah, just kind gonna of use the YouTube to push that. So I was trying to do be a lot more active. So I, was I would love to... there for all that.
0: Yeah. So what, what's your book title?
1: Uh, mead methodologies.
0: So is it, um, is it in your book, are you mainly talking about the basics of mead making? Or are you diving into the in-depth things or? So
1: it's for me, one of the hardest things when with making mead was trying to find how to just go through and make mead using the various like calculations and all that for the San and Yan and, all that stuff and there was like no good one place for a lot of that so mm-hmm. it was like so i took my uh, youtube series made methodologies um which used to be a different name but i got cease and desist <laughs> um, <Jeez. laughs> so oh. so i i no longer say that name but yeah. if you look hard enough you'll see what it was um so i came up with that YouTube series about eight or nine weeks worth one, one a week, and the theory behind that was in episode one, we would go over what the series was about and start making a batch of Joe's Ancient orange. Cause that mm-hmm. takes eight weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you follow along, uh, each week we talk about that particular subject and do whatever maintenance on joe's and on week nine i was doing q a and drinking the batch of mead that we had made from the first yeah first week that's awesome so <clears> when <throat> so you started I
0: that series took did that you con- yeah, oh, so,
1: so i took that series and turned it into a book essentially each week is its own chapter in the book okay
0: yeah that's so, so, so how many chapters in total are there
1: Oh, uh, I think there's now 10 chapters.
0: Where can we find your book for anyone interested?
1: Amazon, Amazon. Awesome. Uh, it is, uh, you can buy it as an ebook. Uh, it's, I think it's 599 as an ebook. Um, or you can buy a print copy and it's print on demand from Amazon. So you can only get it through Amazon and it's costs way too much for what it is for a print book.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll make sure and put it down in my description uh, of this for anybody interested. But I definitely, um, you know, what year did you write that? Was it?
1: Um, So I did the YouTube series. was 2016. And I think the book came out in 2018.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you have probably read through um you know the the mead making bible or at least seen it you know the one that we all tote um the Ken rams book
1: kens yeah, yeah. Yep. i ha- I have a lot of those books sitting behind
0: me right now yeah. actually. and they're they're great i don't want to i'm not knocking those <laughs> at all um i definitely i want to yeah. plug people to go to yours because i don't think there's any way to get too much mead information um
1: Oh no, that's that's why I have a stack of them. And I kind of took a little bit of information from all those and I tried to like distill it down to a whole lot less fluff. And here's, here's what you need to know. Just go do it.
0: Yeah. So if so, you were uh, advising a beginning mead maker, brewer in general, what are some, <clears throat> what are like the, I'd say maybe like the three, just a few most important things to know before you start your first mead? Because I know that we can complicate it. We can also make it in some ways too simple. Yeah. Um, what what do, what do you think the most important things to know before you start making mead?
1: There is a lot of dishes.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that,
1: That's the number one thing. And that's also one of the reasons why I kind of back off from doing so much of it is I don't like doing dishes. Um, uh-huh. But other than that, it's... The, the only real thing that I, comes to mind with it is Do it to have fun, um, use your culinary skills. We all have them to some degree to come up with the flavors that you like. And with that work backwards from that to come up with a recipe with whatever you want to do it. If it's using the various, uh, the uh, nutrients and all that, or just go straight natural with no extra nutrients or what have you. it's like you can make it super simple you can make it super complicated. Um, me personally, I'm pretty lazy so I just do the, all the math upfront and say okay on well, these days I'm doing this rather than doing it the correct way and taking measurements and adding the nutrients or whatever at those specific times so,
0: yeah so where do you fall where do you fall in that regard with with yeast nutrient are you are you more often than not using yeast nutrient when you brew or are you trying to go more natural
1: um for the most part i use nutrients um the last mead that i was going to make was actually just going to be like an organic like formato nothing but formato and that um but unfortunately, I didn't just didn't get a chance to. Due to job and life and stuff getting in the way at that particular time, um, but but yeah, I am a. It, the nutrients do make a difference in a lot of them. Um, that said, I have made some where I took honey and I added water and I let it sit, and that's it. And that actually turned out to be one of the best meads I ever made.
0: Oh, so like wild yeast? You didn't even add any yeast or yeah, anything?
1: it was honey that I helped a friend harvest out of his hive,
0: and uh-huh. I just added water to
1: it. And then yeah. I actually saved the yeast from that, and I made a grit out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've so, only done a, a wild yeast mead one time, and I did a video over it, but I couldn't get it to happen just from the honey, so I added organic raisins in the... the okay. Yeast came from that.
1: Yeah, I just let it sit for like a year, and then
0: it kind of, oh, wow.
1: kind of started doing something. I was like, I was, it was just an experiment, and it was like I was yeah. in no rush one way or the other. And yeah, it it actually turned out to be one of the best flavored traditional meads that I had ever done.
0: Was it pretty low ABV, or were you getting it up to, you know, decent strength?
1: If you remember. Um, I don't know because I don't usually do that math either. Okay. So yeah. and there there is a way to figure it yeah, and there's a way to figure it out after the fact where you like boil some down and do that math. But there was so little of it because I only made a one gallon batch and you quite often need like eight ounces to figure out the ABV after the fact. And I was like, Yeah, this tastes too good for that.
0: Yeah. But I would <laughs>
1: assume it's somewhere between eight and twelve percent. Okay. Interesting. So, I
0: wondered. Yeah, I feel like my problem with that wild yeast meat I made was that um, the wild yeast, of course, are wild, so you don't really have an exact you knowledge no of how high.
1: A, yeah, you have no idea what it's going to do.
0: Yeah, so it's like you don't know <laughs> if it's going to if they're going to burn through that twelve percent or if they're going to stop at mm-hmm. seven. And so, um, but at least with the, what I did, mine ended at ten, and it was it was fantastic. So
1: yeah. So with the grit that I made so that it was actually a braggart grit mm-hmm. and that got up to eight or 9% easy. And that was all the sugars that was in it. So it fermented it fairly dry.
0: Yeah. It's wild yeast are definitely powerful. I think that's something that we yeah. can remember. Um, yep. Are you a fan definitely. of using bread yeast? Yeah uh, ancient,
1: ancient Joe's ancient orange. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, so I started making mead in 2012 and for a good part of that, I was making at least one batch of that every year. Cause that's mm. my wife and my, essentially favorite mead.
0: Yeah, no, I, so I did a test on my YouTube channel of, of Joe's ancient mm-hmm. orange with bread yeast versus wine yeast. Oh. And I think at the end of the whole thing, bread yeast ended up winning in my opinion which i thought was pretty interesting
1: well for that recipe it was designed for bread yeast so Mm -hmm. you also have to take that into effect because each yeast has its own characteristics as um different flavors different esters all that stuff as it comes out and ferments so
0: so do you have a favorite um, yeast, aside from using bread yeast? Is there one that you would go to pretty commonly?
1: Um, I use a couple different ones. I use, uh, most of it is Lavalins. Uh For the bigger stuff, and if I'm fermenting a little bit warm, it's gonna be the 1116. Um, mm-hmm. That one does quite well In the warmth down here in Texas. Um, and then uh I'm drawing a blank on the other ones. 71B. Yeah, is another one. I use that one quite a bit, and then RC212. Okay,
0: yeah, I've only had one experience with that one, and it was pretty good. Yeah.
1: And that one does really well with citrus, I find.
0: So did you I know this one's really, it's really uh, in depth and you're having to probably recall knowledge, but do you remember on that one, the RC, is it a slow fermenter for you? Do you recall? Sometimes. Okay. Um,
1: I had one where it took a while. But then I've also had it where it like just burned through everything. So I don't know if it's like a neutral. I know it really wants a lot of nutrients. So I don't know if it, at the time it was really slow. It, just didn't have enough or if there was a temperature thing or because the first time I used it, I didn't have proper temperature control really. <clears throat> um, but after that, you yeah, know, a lot of nutrients and good temperatures and yeah, could burn through a thing in a week.
0: Yeah. So I do on my channel, I do a thing called the yeast shootout series where I mm-hmm. take two yeasts and I just give them the same recipe. And then, of course, put the different yeasts in, and I decided which one i like more. And I actually put that one up the bat with – oh, goodness. I can't even remember now. I've done so many of them. Anyways, but that one, what I thought was interesting about it was that it it, it toted that it not only was like um, a pretty decent fast fermenter, low flocculation, but also retained uh, color really well. And that was one I haven't seen very often about the yeast.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I went with that one because I've been trying to make like the perfect blood orange mead, mm-hmm. but it always loses the color. Like the flavor is pretty good, but it always loses the color and it turns golden or just not that nice, vibrant red that blood oranges have. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things, and that's actually what the last mead that I was going to make. Was a blood orange one, and I was actually going to use a tinned puree of the blood oranges. So,
0: yeah. So, when you're making a a fruit mead, this kind of sorry to divert a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, there's the debate of should I put my fruit in this primary versus the secondary? In your experience, what have you found is more effective, or what do you prefer when adding fruit?
1: Depends on the flavor profile. Um, so if you put it in primary, you usually get more jammy flavors because it gets a little bit more cooked like you do with jams. If you put it in secondary, then you get more of that fresh fruit flavor. So it really depends on what flavor profile you want and when you put it into whether it's primary, secondary, tertiary, or anything like that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I have, I more often than not will put mine in the secondary to try and mm-hmm. I feel like that primary just blows off so many uh, aromas that you lose a lot of, or some flavor from fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so
1: it, it, it's a little bit of that, but it's, you also get that more cooked flavor. So, which also kind of uh, lessens the flavor as well. Cause if you like take a bunch of berries and you just eat those, they've got all that super berry flavor. But if you get that same berryness in a jam, then it's kind of muted. Cause it's, been boiled out as you say the aromas and flavors get boiled out and it's to add so much sugar and stuff that it's yeah
0: jammy. yeah interesting did you um have you ever experimented with stabilizing before you added fruit have you ever done that before
1: uh no
0: so i've been i've been doing that some recently i have a recipe i really mm-hmm. like to do it's like an apple cinnamon and I've found yeah. that I'll start with, you know, the sizer base of using apple juice and, and mm-hmm. honey and all that. But then I'll pile a decent amount of apples in the secondary after I um, stabilize. And I normally get this even more sweet rounded apple character. I haven't done it with it with many mm-hmm. other fruits, but I'm, I'm wondering if uh, even in the secondary fermentation, Obviously, there's some fermentation that happens. That's why it's called secondary fermentation. But yeah. if um, stabilizing pre-putting those fruits in almost guarantees that you're going to get the flavor you want, that seems something yeah. like I'd have to run a test with it.
1: Yeah, to to some point that that would happen because um, <clears throat> at that point you're not you now are using alcohol to pull out the flavors, so that as well will change the flavor profile of the fruit as well. So yeah, there, it's, it's different between all three of them, which flavors you'll actually end up with.
0: Yeah. So you're on the quest to make the best blood orange mead. Are you using, um, uh, you're probably using real blood oranges and pre, are you pureeing them mm-hmm. yourself or buying like the store-bought purees?
1: So the first two batches I did were I went to the store, I picked out the blood oranges, I juiced them, I sliced them up, I tossed them in. I saved some of the zest because I used the zest in secondary used the juice in primary. <clears throat> um, I tried more juice in secondary after the fact. Um just, they've all tasted good. They've all had things that could be improved on. One of the main things that I really want to pull out is that color. Um, Cause last time when I was going to do it, I was actually going to, I actually was going to get uh, tins of puree from like Ventures harvest or whatever, and use those. And also use some of the other uh, big winery tricks for keeping color, like Opti red and some of those other nutrients that you can buy that Supposed to help retain color as well, feed the yeast. So
0: interesting. I don't know how much about work. that side. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was going to be my first real test on playing with those particular nutrients or adjuncts or whatever you want to call them, where they're specifically there for trying to retain color. Yeah. So
0: are you, um, are you normally letting your meads age? Via lots of time to clear, or are you a kind of person that wants to throw in some sparkloid, easy clear, dual fine, anything like that?
1: Depends on the mead. I kind of like I mentioned, I'm lazy, so I usually just let them sit there. And if they've been sat there for a year and they're still cloudy, at that point, I will toss in uh, sparkloid usually for meads. Mm -hmm. For beer, I actually use gelatin.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's hey, funny. I'm a... yeah.
1: Yeah, that behind me, you I'm a... running
0: a test with that.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, the, the problem with gelatin is it actually pulls out flavor as well. So you gotta build bigger flavored and if you plan on using the gelatin.
0: because so That's what I've noticed out. with I've noticed that with bentonite. I don't know if you've ever used that before. Mm-hmm. But that's it... similar to sparkloid yeah I think um obviously I, some people will a lot of people put it in the primary or before the primary to mm-hmm. like preemptively make it clear so to speak yeah,
1: that's what but, a lot of the wine kits do
0: hmm and I've been experimenting some with putting it of course afterwards um mm-hmm. and it does pull a lot of those flavors out, which I found yeah. to be interesting
1: yeah.
0: so mm. where in the scheme, in the world of clarity do you think um are you and there's no wrong answer of course are you of the mindset that clarity like a mead has to be clear to be good or are you like if it's unclear i'm fine you know what i mean
1: i'm okay with a hazy mead um again it depends it really depends on it uh some of the uh non-traditional meads uh they're just going to naturally be hazy because of the extra stuff that's in them like, if you make a hopped mead or whatever, it's, they're going to be a little hazy because of the hop residue in them. Um, but it, something like a traditional should be pretty clear because there's nothing in there.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think some people are really like, if a meat is hazy, they're like, oh man, like, get that away from me. That thing, yeah. it must not be very good.
1: And then on the flip side, they'll drink a hazy IPA, no problem.
0: exactly exactly like come on so what's your um not i don't want you to feel like you have to give away any recipes but what what's your brew house like standard what's one thing that you you feel like at this point in your brewing career you just love to brew or you feel most comfortable brewing yeah yeah yeah
1: joe's ancient orange that's that's pretty much the only one that i outside of the blood orange that's the only one i've ever made more than once yeah. so that, that that one i've probably made at least a dozen times <clears throat> the blood orange i've done twice and i'm always changing the recipe on that so it's it's different each time but outside of that is like i haven't made the same thing twice
0: with the joe's are you putting the full like four and a quarter pound of honey in to the gallon
1: yes i follow the recipe to a t
0: yeah so um with your experience in doing it have you changed anything about it or do you keep it standard
1: i follow the standard recipe uh we did uh, we did make a hybrid so we did a joe's ancient orange bomb so braise one month mead so Mm -hmm. we kind of combined those two recipes together but instead of like cinnamon we use star anise so th- okay. this, this was an idea that my wife came up with and I was like, all right, this sounds good. And, and yeah, it actually turned out really well since the the bomb and Joe's both take similar amount of time, uh, kind of follow the Joe's recipe with braise uh, nutrient and yeast, combine mm-hmm. the two, use star anise instead of the cinnamon and yeah, everything turned out pretty good.
0: I actually have some star anise that I'm trying to figure out how to use at some point.
1: You just Um, plop it in and
0: what what kind of character does it normally impart? I honestly don't have any experience with it. Licorice. Oh, okay.
1: So it tastes like licorice. So if you don't like licorice, don't use it. (laughs) (coughs) But I grew up eating black licorice. So it's like, yes, this is a very tasty thing.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Well, I have so I have like I have a packet of it from it's like the brewer's best, you know, they make it whatever. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to figure out where to use it. Um I went and bought a bunch of different spices the other day at the brew shop and so at this point I'm just trying to figure out what to do. Is there any mead you made that is um do you feel is is really off the wall in all of your time?
1: Um not so much any mead, but some of the beers I've made. Okay. What have we done? So well, uh, so I guess could be also mead because brackets. I do, I like to make brackets because I like I like the hoppiness of beer, but I also like the mead character, so I combine the two. And typically, my brackets are more mead heavy. So when I was doing it all grain, I'd use <clears throat> like if I use twelve pounds of grain, I'd use twelve pounds of honey. So oh, okay, yeah. They're gonna be like twelve between 12 and 15% ABV,
0: huge yeah. <laughs> flavors. That's a, that's a bomb right there. That's good. Yeah. good.
1: Um, but the most off the wall the, uh, my duck squatches braggot, grit braggot. <clears throat> so that was, so there's a gentleman on YouTube called SJ poor who does, he's kind of the inventor of homebrew Wednesday If you've ever seen that out there, that was him. So he puts on a challenge and one of the challenges was, was brew local. So you had to have at least one ingredient in your beer that was local. Well, I don't really do normal or standard. So I did the grit braggart. So instead of just one ingredient, I use yeast that I harvest from my friend's honey. I used honey from the farmer's market. I used cornmeal from a place just two towns south of me, Uh, dandelion root, which was pulled out of my yard. Um, And there was a couple other things. Um, So yeah, that came about and that was, some people described it as like a Belgian quad in flavor uh, or like a drunken fruitcake. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people, That's pretty annoyed.
0: good to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, it was hard for me not to drink them all. It was, it was really good. Um, some of the other herbals that I had in it, uh, uh yarrow, ginseng, uh, a couple other things, um, Made it so it seemed so the eight percent, eight or nine percent that it was, actually made it feel like about 15 percent. Oh wow! Yeah. It was it was pretty potent, and there was a couple of comments on that. I was like, there's no way this is eight percent. I'm like, yeah, I actually did the math on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, but yeah, that would be the most off the wall one. It was called Duck Squash's Health Tonic.
0: That sounds fantastic, um, and- though.
1: And everything that was in there actually had some kind of health benefit. So on the label, I actually labeled, like, this will help you with heartburn, heart pains, sleeping, insomnia, digestion uh-huh. issues, blah, blah, blah.
0: That's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Man, see, I uh, when I first started brewing or mead making I should say, um, I was like, anything that took more than three ingredients or four ingredients, I was like, that's too many. But now that I've, I just, Uh I've changed my mind a little bit. And it's because of some of these recipes I've made. Like it started with the Joe's Ancient Orange that I did one Mm -hmm. time. And it, of course, has a bunch of ingredients. Came out really good. And now I've been, of course, experienced or experimenting with a bunch of different recipes that have maybe seven or eight, nine things. And and, uh, while, yes, you do have to purchase more ingredients, it pays Mm -hmm. off in the end.
1: Oh, yeah. And that kind of goes back to when we started this conversation is think of the flavor profile that you want to achieve and work backwards from that. Was like, okay, like going back to the Joe's bomb star anise is like, oh, we want a licorice thing. How do we achieve that? Star anise. Okay. So how do we use that? Oh, we could use We want it done quickly, so let's use bomb. But we also know Joe's works, and we were like, those flavors. So we just start combining stuff, and it just works out.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favorite honey that you like to use at this point in all of your time?
1: Wahia. So it's a South Texas-only plant, and my local farmers market it. Uh, there's a lady there who sells it by the gallon, and I visit her for by a lot. Interesting, it's so it does have a slight medicinal flavor to it to start with, but that works it way out, and you just work that into the flavor profiles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a flavor profile that I quite enjoy.
0: So well that's interesting. Needs. It's interesting you said the medicinal flavor. And I'm thinking specifically of, uh, I was tasting something the other day and I had that same thought. I was like, this has a medicinal flavor. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, we think of maybe like Robitussin or something like you you grew up like the terrible medicine you hated trying or having to take as maybe medicinal. I also equate some medicinal value to like a chalky... I don't have like an exact like fruit. Yeah. Like some, I don't have a, like a, it's weird to explain the flavor. Do you have any explanation for what you mean by chalk or not chalky, but medicinal.
1: So with the Wahia medicinal, uh, take a whiff of Vicks Vapo rub and you get that, that kind of medicinal um, aroma. And that's, very, very mellowed down, but it's similar to that um, kind of mint-like mm-hmm. type flavors and stuff like that can be very medicinal.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Okay. <clears throat> so. Yeah. Um, Interesting.
1: Or there's the other medicinal like cough syrup, which I did a cherry vanilla cough syrup mead once. <laughs>
0: I was going to say that, yeah, a lot of times cherry, anybody, everybody who makes a cherry mead, some people love it or some people go, this tastes like cough syrup. (laughs) So it's like, there's no really in between.
1: Yeah. It it all depends on the cherries that you do it with. If you use sweet cherries, you're going to end up with cough syrup. You Mm. have to use the tart cherries to get a cherry flavored, something that tastes good
0: the only way I've figured how to combat the sweet cherry that what you're saying that uh, Mm -hmm. medicine taste is actually pairing it with like a contrasting flavor of maybe like chocolate or something Mm -hmm. that just quote distracts you from that taste. Yeah. Yeah. I did a
1: chocolate cherry beer that turned out very well. It wasn't medicinal at all. mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) But cherry Mm -hmm. alone is definitely one of those flavors that.
1: Yeah. And when I combined it with, um, vanilla in a very sweet mead it was very cough syrup they even yeah. kind of had like that coating like cough syrup does uh-huh. so it was <clears throat>
0: it was a mouth feel
1: kind of yeah uh... <laughs> it just kind of coats your mouth
0: like all yeah.
1: right
0: <laughs> <laughs> no it's so I, I i asked that question about kind of weird flavors because i um one thing I've been doing with my YouTube channel, I started a new series called Can It Be a Mead, where I essentially, I spend two different wheels, and one mm-hmm. has a bunch of fruits on it, and then one has a bunch of weird flavors, peppers, okay. um, cinnamon, uh, what else is on that? I'm trying to think. A bunch of weird, like, spices, essentially. Right. And, um <laughs> I've been challenging myself to make those. So, like, right now, I'm actually drinking... This is... Uh, it's something that's going to go out on Monday. But it's a a uh, watermelon, jalapeno, and cinnamon mead that I that I spun and landed on those flavors. Okay. And so, it's,
1: I, I have it's done a atomic fireball candy mead mm. with ghost chili. Oh. <laughs> Man. <laughs> And the the fun part about this is the atomic fireball mead by itself, I, drain poured that, but one but the part that I added ghost chilies to, that turned out really well. You can only drink about an ounce of it because <laughs> it pulled out the capsaicin as well. Yeah, <laughs> so it burns, but it tastes good.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely that. That's awesome, though. I I find those to be fascinating. I know that some people are like. Any, some people think that if you're adding anything but honey water yeast or normal fruits that you're making some mm-hmm. you're making a sin essentially.
1: <laughs> yeah. So a couple of years ago I was doing I created the Canadian Sasquatch Mead Challenge. <clears throat> and I created that because I wanted to basically find a way to be able to model share with people around the world. So I was like, let's make it into a challenge and see what everybody can do. And so I actually got three years out of that. Was working on my fourth year, but due to 2018 life and stuff, that didn't come through. And I'm hoping maybe next year to get back into it. But the whole point of it was to chat, it was the Canadian Sasquatch Challenge, and it was to challenge ourselves to make different meads and stuff. So, like the first one was the first year, it was traditional. And so I had people from New Zealand and the US and Wales all do it all with different honeys i used a honey from cranberries and you could mm. actually get the cranberry flavor from it um, the second one was you had to use chocolate so i'm actually uh. drinking right now a bochette that i had made for that so it was a chocolate bochette mead and i turned used the honey it was a wildflower honey that already had a caramel flavor to it. huh And as soon as I tasted that honey, I was like, this has to be a bochette. So I boiled it down, turned it into a bochette, chocolate bochette. The last one that I did was it had to be a mellow. And I just threw it out there. Any plant will be a mellow at this point. Just mm-hmm. because it was such a small group. It's like between five and
0: eight of us. I think I remember you s- you talking about this though, so, like yeah. a few years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so for that I did grilled pineapple.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I used mesquite honey, and I actually cut pineapple, grilled it on my grill, and tossed that into secondary. And we had grilled pineapple, and you can actually get the caramelized pineapple flavors through it.
0: That sounds fantastic.
1: So. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I think I remember you, um, you talking about that and doing that the fourth year because I was following and I was uh, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a part of it and honestly I was like, that's what I was right when I was starting. I started mainly it was what it was midway, closest ish to the end of 2017, and so um, that's I know you you you're in the heat of doing those things at that point,
1: and so the the fourth year challenge was going to be, uh, uh, mill So mm-hmm. anything below 8%. So, and the other part of the challenge was you had two months to do it. Usually all the other ones, you have one year to do it from whenever I announced it. But this one, it was two months because it was a mill, So it wouldn't take that long. So that was, that was supposed to be the challenge. And I, I definitely think want to uh, do that one again,
0: that's funny. So it's funny you mentioned that because I've tried one quote official hydromel, like an, a true attempt at a hydromel on my channel. And I think it was inspired by by your challenge. I had done one that was um, uh, with strawberry. And okay. I had, in, in hindsight, I'm seeing now that it might not have been a fungus or something that had grown, but rather it was something that the strawberries naturally mm-hmm. create. It was like some white kind of weird foam that looked like a, a mold of some sort. Yeah. But at the time I was like, this looks like mold. My meat is dead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. I guess I'm out.
1: <laughs> it's I did that. Uh, so I had a similar situation. I did a blackberry mead and I called it a uh, back breaking uh, blackberry mead
0: mm-hmm. because I went out
1: and I, my wife and I, we harvest, 25 pounds of blackberries goodness and went through the process of creating the mead, fermenting it, um, and all that. And then it came time to uh, bottle it and I went into lift the carboy up and threw my back out. Oh no. (laughs) So it was literally backbreaking at that point. Oh geez. Yeah. But I noticed that there was like the white fungus, whatever grown uh-huh. on top. Um, uh-huh. I just went in and I scooped that off and uh-huh. <clears throat> excuse me, switch to this one here.
0: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> so yeah, I went in and I scooped all that stuff off and let it continue its thing. And <clears throat> I actually got to, when I went to, bottle it um i i rarely take measurements before and after for figuring out the abv i always if it's a big batch then i'll just do a test at the end where you just boil some down and you can figure out the gravity from that um and the my first attempt at that it was like three and a half percent i'm like okay okay i screwed something up here so i went through and i did the process again I was like no it's three and a half percent i'm like why is it three and a half percent come into my office here and i'm like just trying to think about it and yeah in the corner of my office was the rest of the honey that i forgot to put in <laughs> so
0: so it's like blackberry water it's <laughs> at that point
1: yeah uh, a weak blackberry uh, wine <laughs> uh, there there was a little bit of honey in there cuz i remember it's like okay i need all this plus this like quart of honey
0: yeah
1: and i remember that quart of honey but i forgot the the big jug of it it was but, like all right and it was like okay well it's not to my palate this particular blackberry thing but i pawned it off on other people and like and they're like oh my god this is so good so i just yeah. give them bottles and they're like yeah. yes it's like, if you like it more power to you, it's that's not great. something I enjoy.
0: Yeah, I do that. I mean, I, I make a lot of stuff and, um, some of it turns out great. Some of it's like, Oh, it's, it's okay. But yeah. at this point, um, I guess my question to you would be, do you, did you bottle everything you made or, um, you know, were you, were you just handing out bottles as you just made masses amounts of mead? Cause that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs>
1: um, I handed out some. I drank some. There's uh-huh. still
0: a lot around. Um,
1: like I actually stumbled across a bottle of the first meat I ever put
0: together. Oh man, uh, like, that's got to be yes. a video for that for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, so there's that. It's actually the first, the first one and the fifth one that uh, I found bottles of those. And It's interesting because the fifth meat I made was actually the first one I bottled. And the first meat I made was the fifth one I bottled.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Because so the first meat I made was it was a kit from the local homebrew store. And yeah, it just didn't taste good, didn't taste good, didn't taste good. So I just kind of left in the carboy. Yeah, it was, yeah, like a year or so later. My taste was like, oh wow, this is really good. So I bottled it at that point. It was like the fifth one mm-hmm. that I had bottled. So, meanwhile, the fifth one that I had bottled was turned out to be is like it, it was probably a not uh, Joe's Engine Orange, but another like four to six week quick feed just to, to see if like what that's all about. And yeah. Mm-hmm. That actually turned around real fast. So
0: I think that's, uh, that's one thing I want to impart and part to people is like, while mead is not beer in that you can drink it generally in four or five weeks and it be at its best, like a beer, mm-hmm. I mean, it does get better over time ish, but of them normally are. by like six to eight weeks, it's like, it's where it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so meads do get better over time, but that's not to say that you have to wait a year to two years to make your mead, to drink your mead in order for it to be good. Yes. Yeah. So some of them do. Like you said, your first one, you know, it took a year yeah. to turn around.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I've had some <clears throat> um, sitting carboys. The thing with mead making is they always say, if it doesn't taste good, wait a year. It doesn't taste good. Wait a year because they do get better. I've had some that four years later I drain poured because they did not get better for because yeah. of very soft flavors or whatever that just wouldn't out. Um but things like Joe's ancient orange, you you can drink that right out of the carboy, and that's sometimes yeah. what we do. Like, you make the one gallon, the actual one-gallon thing of it, and you just pour that straight just pour it straight acid. out.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like, I got to a point where I was making like five and six gallon batches of that. Cause we were drinking that so much, but, but on the flip side, um, I have a bottle. I actually just saw that today that I have a bottle from 2013 of that. So,
0: and that's, that's awesome. So yeah,
1: it's like most, most of the stuff I have is actually pretty old cause I haven't brewed since 2017.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and well, so at, at some point I'm still going to send you a bottle a couple bottles I need to send you a care package actually you know I, I don't know where you're at in Texas but I lived in Texas for a small stint of my life and mm-hmm. uh, had I known then I would have just it probably would have been easier to get it to you <laughs> at that point where,
1: where, where, where in Texas were you?
0: Uh, I was up at the panhandle so I was probably okay. still far away from you but um, yeah, I'm, in,
1: I'm in Houston
0: Yeah, but you're closer than you are I'm in Oklahoma City now so um, okay. it's not too far away but enough no. to where I still got to ship something out, so, uh, yeah, I'd love kind to send you still, some
1: stuff. Still, probably closer than the Panhandle.
0: Yeah, Panhandle <laughs> is like there's nothing. It's just an extension of Oklahoma, essentially. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, so, is there anything you in your brewing time that you wish, or you still want to brew? Is there a recipe that you're like, I am? I'm waiting for the day that I can do this one. Not to say we're gonna steal it. I'm just curious, picking your brain. Um,
1: just going back to the blood orange because uh-huh. I definitely want to like get that one nailed down. Cause you know, blood oranges are pretty much my favorite fruit. <clears throat> so if I could capture that in a mead, that'd be brilliant. Um, outside of that, I just want to start playing more with like, uh, I like braggots. <clears throat> so I like doing playing around with those and I like, uh, like that one grit that I made using all the weird things instead of hops for bittering mm-hmm. and all that. And it's, I kind of want to go down that path of just finding really weird things and making yeah. something good out of it. I was like, who would have thought atomic fireballs and ghost chilies
0: would taste good, but hey,
1: it actually does. It, can't drink. It sounds other. like
0: we're on the same path right now.
1: <laughs> but, yeah. So it's just kind of, Going down that path of wanting to try <clears throat> things other than hops or your standard fruits and cinnamon and stuff like that, because there's so many things out there with so much flavors in it in the herbs and uh, various other plants and whatnot.
0: Have you ever <laughs> hopped your blood orange mead before?
1: I have not hopped any meat other than a braggots. Okay. I think about that, if I actually, but yeah.
0: <clears throat> so I've, um, it's funny you mentioned the blood orange because recently I, I use, I haven't been using um, actual blood oranges. I,
1: mm-hmm. well, maybe
0: I have, what did I, oh, it was grapefruits I used that one time. Anyways, um, I haven't been able to, mainly, I, it's just hard to get a hold of blood oranges here. I think in a good tasting Mm -hmm. capacity around me. So I've been using like the Amoretti, not necessarily fake product, but it's the, um, the extract slash, you know, natural flavoring. Um, I recently did one that was a blood orange hopped mead and it was pretty Mm -hmm. fantastic. Um,
1: Yeah. I've had hopped meads before and they're pretty tasty. uh Um, just haven't, haven't made one.
0: Yeah. I uh it's really I feel like we mentioned earlier about the the haziness that you get from hops, but also mm-hmm. there's such a big mouthfeel you get from adding hops, yes, adding spices <clears throat> and anything like that that just really um Yep not only imparts flavor but changes that that mouthfeel.
1: Yeah. It's uh so the acids and hops are a big part of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is why they also help with carbonation and keeping heads on beers and stuff like that is because of all the oils and acids and all that that are in them. So they do impart some of that similar to how, uh, you can take a super sweet mead and add wood to it. And the wood imparts tannins, which gives it a drier mouthfeel and taste.
0: Yeah, than what it really is. So, it's, have you done much with oaking and you know, I, I or barrel aging of,
1: meads? I do a lot of wood aging.
0: Can do I you do oak spirals or like chips or cubes or what? So, uh,
1: in so I've done a little bit of oak in meads, um, but I do most of my wood stuff with beer. And the beer and the braggots um and it's usually cubes uh for oak i prefer hungarian oak because it imparts a cotton candy sweet flavor that i like Mm -hmm. plus adding the tannins to keep that sweetness down lower but i've also been playing around with uh mesquite Mm. so i will buy mesquite Uh, Toast it myself to about a medium and use that. Um, One of the braggots that I did was a rye barley wine
0: Mm -hmm.
1: braggot and just like a straight up rye. So like 100% rye grain and mesquite honey aged on toasted mesquite that was soaked in rye whiskey.
0: Oh, that sounds good.
1: Yeah, it was, it didn't last. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it was 14% and it did not last. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: So, and that was actually the first one that I actually carbonate it with a keg. Like I got a keg okay. system specifically for carbonating because
0: mm-hmm.
1: most of the stuff doesn't, I do is doesn't carbonate because it's really hard to carbonate 10, 12, 14% stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, this was actually the first one that I carbonated with that. But I actually did a carbonated grapefruit mead. It was like my third or fourth mead that I ever did.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: And that actually, uh, that one took about two years before it actually tasted good out of the bottle. It tasted good going into the bottle, but then the yeast analyzed. So you had the analyze yeast off flavor, which is kind of band aidy, mm-hmm. but two years later that kind of started wearing off. Mm-hmm. So, so that's an off flavor that will age out. Just takes yeah. several years.
0: So, so. I, uh, in my my process of course, learning about things I've uh, about mead, w- one of my main sources for learning <laughs> about a lot of the science of mead was actually your channel, and you <laughs> kind of introduced me to the world of um, fusels. And what mm-hmm. they are, and kind of like what they what they mean for a mead, yeah. And it, which I thought was fascinating at the time. At this at this point with my mead making career, I'm I, I feel like I'm just a mead scientist more than I am like a mead creator. I'm just like doing so much uh-huh. stuff that's like, what can <clears throat> I do to test the mead science? But yep. fusils are fascinating to mm-hmm. me. What can you speak to? Y- you just said that um, the analyze yeast side wears off over time. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed when you've experienced any fusels? are there any, um, I guess it's hard to know exactly what fusels there are, but most of the time, do you feel like those flavors go away over time or are they sticking around for quite some time?
1: So I actually have a very sensitive palate to fusels, So I detect them very quickly um, one of the ones that I t- detect very quickly is, uh, fermenting too hot or stressed yeast. So I was like, instantly it was like, okay, this was fermented too hot. And it's like, when I'm judging or whatever, it's like, I can taste that like right away. And people are like, how did you know that? I was like, I taste it. There's the mm-hmm. fusels that you get from fermenting too hot.
0: So do you feel so- like you got that from experiencing it? from doing it and like you, maybe you fermented something too hot and you went, Oh, this is what this tastes like. Or was like,
1: Oh, def- definitely. Definitely. is like, otherwise I would have no idea what what it is it's like this. This doesn't taste right. And I don't know why it's like, I had a mead that I fermented and I know it was fermented too hot. It was like, it was very, very strong. And it was like, later it's like, I had one that was fermented, not quite as hot, but still too hot. It was like, not quite as strong as like okay, this is, Kind of what that is, um, I also took a BJCP uh testing class and mm. we actually went through a lot of the off flavors and stuff, <clears throat> and that was like, one of the things was, like instantly, it's like, oh, this is nasty, it's for a minute too hot. And he was, like, very few people actually understand that. And it was like, meanwhile, I was like there was a bunch of other stuff is like, yeah, I can't taste this one. I can't taste this one type thing. So it's like, everybody has a sensitive palate to different things. And mine just happens to be strained yeast.
0: Well, I mean, that's a very valuable like <laughs> skill to have. I mean, yeah. If you're making it,
1: definitely. But it's like, if you're trying to enjoy somebody else's and they do well, nothing. I, so, I but,
0: diagnosing though, you know, I think yeah. that it's definitely helpful to say, Hey, oh, I feel like right. I'm getting this from it
1: yeah so but yeah, it just so some of it does age out. Some of it doesn't. Um, the for a minute too hot. I haven't had a mead old enough yet where it has fully aged out, but I do feel like it steps down a little bit over time. Uh-huh. So I, I do remember some of them being like, holy cow, this is really bad. And it was like five years later, it's like, this is tolerable. Mm-hmm. Was like, pour, That's port port over ice and it will be all right, because chilling it down dulls your taste buds. So you can't really taste it.
0: Right, man. One thing that really fascinates me about I meat and wine in general is that um, it does like the the flavor change from. You know, six months to seven years later, just for comparison, is so different.
1: Oh, yeah. It was, uh, so when I first got into making mead, it was my goal to make a mead that was good for 25 years.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So I have yet to actually accomplish that. A lot of the stuff hasn't lasted that long or hasn't tasted good enough to last that long. Um, but it hasn't tasted good enough
0: yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. just keep holding on. You never know.
1: It's <laughs> like I do have the first test of the 25 wine still going, and uh, I want to say it's about five or six years, and it is okay. It's is that in a carboy
0: or is that in a bottle right now?
1: I, I So... In 2018, when I was having a bunch of life issues, I bottled everything. So I got nothing left Mm -hmm. in the carboy. So otherwise it would still be in a carboy. Mm -hmm. So, but going through, it was like, I learned about what it took to make something that could age. And it was high alcohol, high sweetness and high, um, the pigments and stuff. So Mm -hmm the the better it'll age the alcohol the better it age the higher the sugar the better it'll age so i made a sack buckwheat mead
0: okay yeah
1: so so it's super dark um super sweet and super buckwheat that's <laughs> but, yeah of course the the issue with buckwheat is it also greatly depends on whether you get east coast or west coast buckwheat
0: yeah i was gonna say i'm actually i have buckwheat honey right now that i've been experimenting with (coughs) and it's it's good but it is such a flavorful it's so powerful it's got some it's it's like very unique it's very um obviously buckwheat (laughs) is the name but like to me i feel like i'm chewing on some hay like when i that's very sweet hay when i try it
1: yeah um so that sounds like it's also, it kind of has like an earthy tone mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Very, molasses, so that, very, yeah. Yeah. So that is West coast. Buck. Okay. So East coast, we go back to medicinal.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: honey itself has a medicinal flavor. You ferment with it and it brings out those medicinal flavors. So that would not be a good mead to try and age with that particular honey. So it's, you also have to kind of pay attention to the honey profiles as well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's weird that it's the same plant, but different flavors from different sides of the continent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, honey. I, I've tried a bunch of different honeys at this point, and my favorites are like mesquite. Um, mm-hmm. Buckwheat is, is up there, but it's not very high up there.
1: I like um, buckwheat in
0: tea. Oh, yeah. I haven't tried yeah. that yet.
1: Yeah. It's it like, like, I, good. I, yeah. I grew up drinking tea and I'd use buckwheat honey in my tea. And huh. this is like putting molasses in some Earl Grey. And it's like, yeah, it's really good.
0: Yeah. I'll have to try that. I have, I mean, I have like 30 pounds of it. So I got to find some <laughs> use for it <laughs> at this point. But no, honey, I, I think that as I've experienced more honey, um, obviously we all start and we maybe start with a clover or a wildflower. And that's not a bad place to start. But no. there are definitely, like you're saying, some really valuable characteristics you can get out of specific honeys and high quality honey.
1: Yeah. And that goes back to like the first Canadian Sasquatch Mead Challenge, where it was traditional, just honey, yeast, nutrients, water done. And I wanted to do that because I wanted to see more of the whole honey flavors and all that. So, like, yeah, I found cranberry honey so it was just honey made from cranberry flowers Mm -hmm. and it had that tart cranberry flavor in it and the meat had that tart cranberry flavor in it but there was no anything in it yeah and it comes back to uh this guy that i know i met him at a bar who he does his own brewing and all that and he stopped going to uh put into competitions and stuff uh, many 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 years ago because he did a traditional mead with blueberry honey so just honey made with blueberry flavors and he got dinged because they didn't think it was just honey they thought that he actually put blueberries in it so yeah it's like all right so we need to start paying more attention to what honey actually imparts in because it is for the most part the second biggest ingredient in
0: what we're making. Yeah, for sure. I, have you ever tried avocado blossom honey?
1: I have not. It has been on my list I've got like a list of ones that I really want to try. There's avocado, there's uh, uh mm. heather, there's uh oh,
0: the one that tastes like marshmallow. Oh, the uh, meadow foam that one Meadowfoam. I want to try too.
1: Oh, wait, no, I just recently tried meadow foam, I haven't tried brewing with it, but I actually did. A friend of mine had a little tub of it, and so we tried some of it. I was like, Yeah, marshmallow,
0: did it really? Okay, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. I wonder, I've Sorry. never tried it, so I wonder if it does taste um, like marshmallow.
1: Yeah, no, I remember that now, but yeah, so it's so there's a bunch of honeys out there that I really want to try. Um, another honey that I wanted to try was. A South American killer bee, honey.
0: <laughs> Man, it's so hardcore. It, it,
1: well, yeah, it was supposed to have very strong carameler again, like similar to the wildflower one that I just made my bochette out of. But this, this one, it was supposedly like biting into like a caramel bar or something like that. Wow, that kind of flavor. Yeah, and I was like, I want to try that, and it's like trying to get some of that i was like yeah sold out sold out sold out
0: <laughs> it's some of these are so hard to get and they get to be so expensive too i'm oh
1: yeah <clears throat> I, I found it's like sometimes you can wheel and deal at the local farmer's market but sometimes you can also just get a five gallon bucket for a lot cheaper online
0: oh, oh, Yeah, oh with the shipping so here in oklahoma i've yet to find one that's gotta, cheap i'm i'm the last time I asked my local apiary was probably six months ago, a year ago, and he was like, "Yeah, it'll be like three fifty for a five gallon pail," and I was like, "Hold on, I can't, oh. I can't do that."
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think it was two hundred and twenty dollars for my five gallon, shipping included.
0: Yeah, see, uh, where were you getting that? If I, I don't mind asking. mind answering. Uh,
1: I don't remember. There's like one. Dutch
0: gold, I know of. There's a thing called Websterant. There's, um, I'm sure, there's some other ones in the yeah, world. Yeah,
1: there's just quite a few of them out there. I, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, well, and I don't really think online honey cold. is bad. I definitely think we have to watch if it's pasteurized and filtered. That's where we get into yes
1: those
0: those question marks. And I, I, this sounds weird, but I was not. I believed that there's a difference between unfiltered and pasteurized honey but I didn't experience until I ordered some orange blossom from um, a company called webstrant and they do a ton of Mm. restaurant things and Mm. um, it is filtered and um, pasteurized seeing my meads four months in with that honey. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can taste the difference between Mm -hmm. especially in like mouthfeel and actual character presence.
1: Yeah. So pasteurized, they're going to, either be heating the honey up. So you're losing a lot of the flavors and aromas right there, or they're adding chemicals to it, which Mm -hmm. is adding different flavors to it or mouthfeels or whatever. So yeah, you definitely want to just go with a straight up raw, give me the bits of bugs in it and everything.
0: Yeah. And I think that for anyone listening, like it's important to, to make mead and try making mead. And if that means you have to start with your, uh, you might have to start with some filtered honey of some sort to just get going. That's fine. But ultimately you should be trying to make a product that is unfiltered. I think a lot of people view mm-hmm. mead making like they, they don't jump into mead making <laughs> because we have so many rules to start. Like,
1: uh, and so with my mead methodology series, when I make ancient or Joe's ancient orange, I use store brand honey mm-hmm. just so I can show you just go to the store, you buy honey, as long as it's not from China, cause they cheat with their honey. <clears throat> um, you're all right. You can make decent mead. Is it good yeah. to the best mead? No, but it will be tasty. You'll enjoy it. It doesn't, you don't have to jump right into the $300 mead for whatever.
0: Yeah, there's I think that's that I've noticed that in a lot of my world people always ask like what should, honey should I buy? And you know, all these all these mm-hmm. things that are basically just a bunch of rules and stipulations to be a mead maker. In reality, mm-hmm. we should just be saying, Go buy some honey, go buy some water, some yeast, and throw it together and see go what to, it tastes go like.
1: Your, go to your grocery store, buy a gallon of water, bread, yeast, raisin, cinnamon stick. And an orange, done. Yeah, all one-stop shopping right there.
0: Eight yeah.
1: months, you'll have a very tasty product.
0: Absolutely, I'm. I'm all for. I, I think the. Um, and you've been in this community longer than me, um, but I feel like mm-hmm. the world of mead is is really small right now, especially in commercial <clears> stores. We don't have a lot of available, at least around me, a lot of available mm-hmm. meads to buy. Uh,
1: it's and, it's starting yeah. to grow, uh, over the yeah. last couple of years, <clears throat> like when I was kind of started slowing down on the videos, I was doing the thirsty Thursdays where I was doing the various commercial needs. And I was like, it's growing or, there's more, more out there. It's very slow because people are either stuck in either wine or beer and they don't understand how to drink. Mead or how to enjoy it. Or um, there's a couple around here in the Houston area that are doing a fantastic job and they're canning it. You buy a six pack of their mead, it's carbonated, it's low ABV, is like I think their highest one is about six and a half, seven percent. Lots of different flavors and stuff. And so it is growing a place that's just. It is where craft beer was like 20 years ago type thing. So give it 20 years and there'll be a meadery on every corner.
0: Yeah. And I'm excited for those times. I think that our compromise right now that I'm seeing with people starting meaderies is that a lot of people are doing the kind of what you're saying, the, which is not bad, canned, normally low ABV, very close to cider-esque mead, which is it's still mead because it's honey based Mm -hmm. product. Um yeah. And I would love yeah. to see more people take their approach of maybe shrams or uh I'm thinking specifically of like moonlight meadery. Um what's the other one mm-hmm. thinking of that are like more high ABV wine like yeah, full body things.
1: Yeah. Yep. I think that's one of the issues as well. Is a lot of people see meat as kind of right there in between of beer. And wine, so it's again, it's like not really knowing. It's like how do, how, when do I drink this stuff? Rather than just like <clears throat> you've you've got the ones that are doing the low ABV can stuff, but you also have wineries that are now canning their wine. So there's that trying to come back down, and then you've got like the higher end means like the Moonlight and the Shrams and all that that are making the higher end ones. It was like, well, it's mead. I shouldn't be paying like twenty dollars, twenty, thirty, forty dollars for a bottle of it. And it's like, okay, but you're okay paying hundred dollars for a bottle of wine. It's yeah, actually kind of harder to make mead than wine.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I uh it's funny to me, one Something. of the most common questions I get when I give a bottle of mead to somebody is like, should I drink this cold? And it's like not a dumb question, but it's just yeah. like a, a testament to like. People don't know anything about mead, yeah. In the regard that you know, wine you can you can drink chilled. You can drink, you know, room temp. With
1: yeah, you know, with with wines, it's usually whites are cold, reds are room temperature.
0: Yeah, so it's so, like people are just figuring out what the what it actually is like to drink a mead. Yeah, but I'm afraid that we're going to get to the point where meads are. Categorized as this seven six and a half to seven percent ABV thing that's a uh, hydromels essentially that are mm-hmm. pineapple and mango and strawberry flavored yeah. ciders.
1: Yeah, that that is that can be a thing, but I think there's also like the companies that I'm thinking of, I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but they also do like the proper bottled like wine meads and stuff like that. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, those it's like their canned meads are really really good. Uh, Meridian Hive, that's one of the yeah. ones that we really enjoy. Um but they also so they do the can, they're carbonated and all that. But they also do the higher ABV bottled enjoy it slowly. Whatever type thing. So, so they are doing both of it is like here's, here's the entry mead. Here's, here's like, I don't know, uh, your IPA, your blonde ale, your pale ale mead. But here's our big stout or barley wine type thing going to a, <clears throat> to a beer reference there.
0: Yeah, I've actually got some Meridian Hive I'm, um, I'm going to taste test and I've got some of their canned stuff. They're simple, you know, lemon. I think one's like a rosé and some other stuff. And then I've also the, got the, their...
1: The lemon is really good.
0: Oh, really? Okay. I haven't seen yeah. I haven't tried it yet. Um, and then I have one of their bottles of like their... I'm going to call it true mead because I feel like it's it's fuller bodied, closer to what we want to hopefully be as mead makers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to try those yeah. for sure. We get really good.
1: Yeah, those. Yeah, Meridian. I've never had a bad one from Meridian Hive.
0: The only problem for me is so, that I, of course, I have to have everything shipped here because it's Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, I just don't have any needs around me. So, um, but it's just you know you're paying for shipping at that point, and not that it's yeah. not good to do that, but for me, it'd be hard to pay for uh, forty bucks worth of shipping for. Uh, yeah, four pack of whatever. So,
1: yeah, it can be painful. Yeah,
0: yeah. So maybe one day Oklahoma will um, have some greater options, but we're we're growing. Hey, look
1: great. at all the stuff behind you! You should start opening something,
0: dude. I would love to. It'd be <laughs> it'd be amazing. Um, one of my goals in life was is definitely to take what I'm doing now and to grow and and make it at a um, make it a part of Oklahoma City or wherever I'm at. But as a teacher, I have a hard time leaving that scene because, you know, I love, I love my students. Um, right. So I'd love to find an element of not only making mead, but then finding a place where I can also teach people how to brew. So that'd be right. cool to do that at some point. Join so the who knows? Program. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see what happens uh-huh. in the future, but it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. So is there anything uh, I know I've taken a lot of your time, so I want to, to close with one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I don't think this is by any means the last time we'll talk, but I would love to know uh, what's one thing you want to say to possibly encourage new brewers. And that could be in the world of, you know, mead, maybe wine, beer, anything like that. What's one thing, uh, you want to say to, to encourage brewers to get started?
1: Don't be afraid. Just do it. It's like, yeah, there is a lot of knowledge out there, but when it comes right down to it, it is a simple process of yeast eating sugar and you have something to drink in the end. So don't be afraid of it. Just jump in and get after it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's, and you never, you never know until you, you try it and then your, yeah. your first brew might end up terrible, but that's okay because yeah. your second brew, you learn from your first one.
1: Exactly. So It's like, you just keep getting better and better. Practice uh-huh. makes better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. I love that. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. And uh, of course, I'm going to be plugging Steve's channel down below if uh, if you want to watch some of his videos, I know that while he's not doing a bunch of stuff, video stuff now, um, he's got a whole archive of a ton of things he's done, including his book, which is, of course, in the description and the video series that you were talking about. Um, I believe it's probably somewhere in your channel, right?
1: Yeah, there's there should be a playlist as well for that.
0: Yeah so go and you know check his stuff out and uh thanks steve for taking the time i know that i, I took yeah. up your friday night so uh that you could be okay. hanging out with your wife and watching watching tv or doing something uh more fun than this but i appreciate you
1: yeah no problem it's been a
0: pleasure well, and like i said i don't think this was the last time we'll talk so uh i i hope hopefully we'll get to do this again in the future
1: well, yeah i i would enjoy that
0: cool hey well appreciate your time thanks man
1: all right thank you